You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 122. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Hunter Clark Fields about mindful parenting, what it is, how we achieve more mindfulness, and why it matters. This was such a centering conversation, and I know deep in my heart that you will find some amazing nuggets of wisdom here today, too. Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff, too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Well, hi there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. If this is your first time here, well, welcome to the show. I'm honored to have you. I hope you like what you hear and you come back for more. On today's show, I'm chatting with mindfulness mentor and mama, Hunter Clark Fields, and I want to let you in on a little behind the scenes on the show. I lined up a lot of interviews this summer, and they've been slowly coming out since I recorded them in July and August. But generally, I don't actually edit the you know recordings or record this intro until the week of the show that it's scheduled to air. And so That way I can speak to what's going on in the moment or if I have a challenge or something that's running. Well, anyway, this was a conversation that I was absolutely thrilled to get to listen to again. I learned a lot during the editing process and it felt like stuff I needed to hear again after I had processed it the first time so that I could process it again and go deeper. I don't want to spoil too much, but I listened to myself talking about my inner thoughts and reactions and Hunter's calming advice and reassurances, and I can see that I have grown in the past few months, but I still have more grace and acceptance that I need to show to myself too. Now, all of that is to say that I learn as much as I teach, so please know that there is someone else out there growing along the way too. And we get into that a bit as well. So just stick with us, please. But that's enough about me. Let's talk about my amazing guest this week. Hunter Clark Fields is the host of the Mindful Mama podcast, creator of the Mindful Parenting course, and author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Now, through these resources, she helps parents bring more calm and peace into their daily lives. Hunter has over 20 years of experience in meditation practices and has taught mindfulness to thousands worldwide. She is the mother of two active daughters who challenge her every day to hone her craft. And boy, does that last part really speak to my heart as well. So give this episode a listen. And when you are done, head over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 122 to get the show notes for today's episode with links to Hunter's website and her book. Again, you can find it all at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 122. All right, let's get to our conversation. So hi, Hunter. Welcome to the Wannabe Minimalist Show. How are you doing today? I'm hanging in there today. Good. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing well. We were talking before this and Hunter has had said she had a little accident today. So we're we're going to have fun though. We are going to bring today up and we are going to high vibe it and we are going to have a lot of fun chatting with all of you. So 
Why don't we start with that? Hunter, why don't you tell us about yourself and what led you to becoming a mindfulness mentor? Sure. I teach mindfulness and I teach mindful parenting because these are the things I really desperately need so much. I basically teach the things that I was really terrible at that <laughs> I had, that I'm not naturally good in that I needed to like learn a lot of tools in. And mindfulness for me, mindfulness was I started learning about it when I was a teenager because I'm just like a highly sensitive person. And I would be on this roller coaster emotionally through my whole life. And I would just fall into these pits of like despair. Like I felt like I couldn't handle life like every week, every two weeks. It was pretty, I just felt it all too much. And I started to read and study about mindfulness when I was a teenager, trying to get help with that. And then when I had my kids, I had finally started a meditation practice. It had like totally transformed my life. I stopped falling into those pits that I had fallen into for 27 years of my life until that point. And then I had kids and I, and then I, my daughter was like this whole big teacher about my, it's like, hello, temper boy. I didn't know that you were there and coming back roaring in the same way that I was my father's temper basically. And just this intense, you know, I was losing it on my child and I was yelling and I was so frustrated because I would dive into learning about things from great parenting coaches and good things to say, like good things like about how to respond to your child this way, not this way. It was all really good, but I couldn't implement any of it when I was like losing my beep. Oh yeah. And so I really realized that all these tools that I've been learning for so many years from mindfulness had to come together with this work of how to respond better with parenting if I had any hope of transforming things. And so that's really what I did is I really dove into that from this perspective of a learner, desperate learner. And so mindful parenting really pulls together like how to calm our reactivity, how to transform ourselves from the inside out, and then also how to communicate more skillfully with our kids so that we can have the outer expression of that relationship. Fascinating. First off, I find it really interesting because I feel very similar in what I do, right? I didn't necessarily start off as the most organized person. And so, yes, that kind of learning along the way and learning as you go and then realizing, oh, other people can really benefit from this too. So I totally resonate with that. And then, yeah, also my daughter, one of my biggest teachers. And how is it that those things that our parents, we then become our parents? Oh my gosh. Once we become parents ourselves and that part's a little bit scary. So thank you for bringing this to the world. Remind us again, I want to make sure that we have a really good grasp on mindful parenting. So how do you describe mindful parenting? Sure. I see mindful parenting as the intersection of calming our reactivity, under uncovering our triggers, and then communicating skillfully. And I know there are people who teach mindfulness for parents, and I think that is wonderful, right? Mindfulness for parents is wonderful, but it's not enough in that it's, I discovered myself, of course, that it's not enough to just be able to calm down. Then you can say something unskillful that you might've come out of your parents' mouth. Yeah. And then your kid is triggered all over again. So it really, for me, mindful parenting is about the intersection of that inner work to calm our reactivity, to uncover our triggers with the skillful communication we need to express our, ourselves okay. in a loving and connected way. 
Let's dig into it a little bit. So you have a book out. It's called Raising Good Humans, A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactive Parenting and Raising Kind, Confident Kids. And it's a bestseller. And honestly, I'm not surprised because I think that's something we all want, right? We all want our kids to be kind and confident. And so I I see why this resonates with people so much. But let's talk a little bit about that cycle of reactive parenting. How do you see that playing out? And then do you maybe have a tip or two, an example maybe of how you see that play out and then maybe a tip or two about what we can do to break out of it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple different ways, times when we're reactive. And it, of course, all has to do with our stress response, our nervous system. We are wired to respond instantly to threats, not hmm. to, you know, calmly think about it and decide how we want to respond. But then those, that nervous system can really be triggered by a couple of different things. It could be triggered by overall stress and difficulty. And even you talk about minimalism, like clutter and things like that can be a big addition to our stress load, but it also can be triggered by things from our past, things we call triggers, right? That are maybe something that's completely developmentally normal, your kid spills some OJ, but it may trigger something. For example, a trigger like that, we had a, a, a student in mindful parenting. She was triggered by her kids' messes, even though it's super normal for a toddler to have a mess because she was, that was such an important thing when she was growing up that everything looked perfect and be perfect. And so having her house look perfect was a big trigger for her triggering feelings of inadequacy and not good enough and all of these deeper things. So sometimes that reactivity with our kids can be triggered by our own baggage from the past. And sometimes it can be triggered by just like the accumulated stress of our lives, lack of sleep, all the different things that, you know, trigger stress in us, not being able to exercise or all the different stressors. Yeah. I get really stressed out if I don't eat. I'm totally a hangry person <laughs> and my daughter is totally a hangry person. And so, yeah, it's always funny because I it took us a while to figure that out. Not for me. I knew I was hangry, <laughs> but for her, it took us a while to figure that out. And so our initial, after we experimented, one of our initial responses was always like, okay, here it comes. Grab a granola bar, or grab a piece of fruit or grab a piece of cheese, something just Give her some food. Be the child at her again. <laughs> yes. It was so funny how <laughs> those little things, though, could create such a big difference. Just one little, one little trick or one little just moment of, okay, wait, hang on, you're hungry. Let's get you something to eat. Then we'll go back and maybe we can work on this. So, well, well also hunger's way, a big one because oh, go ahead. I was just going to say hunger's a big one because yeah. and all of those things that different put us out of balance because there are neuroscientists like Lisa Feldman Barrett has taught about the idea of this body. We have a body budget, and mm -hmm. our brain is we have a, a budget of energy and glucose and all those different things, and that's turned that's transformed by our brain. And so, if we are low in energy, if we don't have enough sleep all of those things really significantly impair the ability of our, the ability for us to use our whole brain. Our prefrontal cortex is that part, part of the frontal part of the brain where that is involved with higher order thinking, verbal ability, empathy, and really importantly for us parents, impulse control, right? So for us to be able to calm that and maybe initial response, if we're not getting that baseline of 
sleep and food and all those things, we're setting ourselves up for failure. So that is a really important piece of it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So what about that mom you were saying that she got triggered with the messy house? And obviously that's in my wheelhouse. I try to help parents deal with that mess. Obviously, like you were saying, it's very normal for a toddler to be making a mess. What was something you did to help her get past that? In mindful parenting, in the mindful parenting method, we call it the clear method. But one of those steps is to understand our triggers, right? As we can start, what happens with this stuff is that it it presents as fix this child in front of me and then I will be okay. But really when we start to look at, we well, we have to bring these things that are unconscious to the conscious level. That is the most important piece of doing that. And that can be done through therapy. We have a whole series of questions where we dive deep in that, about that in mindful parenting, trying to like understand how you were raised, what your family of origin was like, how your parents responded to different things, how you felt in those moments. And it's not like the funnest thing to do to dig back into (laughs) our, no one wants to do that. But if we don't, we're really, a lot of times we're just bringing our own baggage to moments like that. So until she started to uncover this, she saw this as my child has a problem. We have to fix the child. And then what did she, once she started to uncover it, she was like, oh, hello. It's like the lens is wiped clean and she could see this is my own stuff. Hello, my own baggage. And start to see like when I'm feeling this triggered feeling, especially around messes, now we, now she has this awareness and the awareness is what allows her to make a different choice. Mm-hmm. And it may not be easy, perfectly easy to make a different choice every single time. But if you have the awareness, then you have the choice of how you want to respond. So she could see this is not my child's stuff. This is my own baggage. I have to take a moment to calm myself down, to offer myself some compassion because this is hard for me, that it has nothing to do with my child. This is just hard for me because of these were the cards I I was dealt so she could offer herself some compassion, process those feelings, and then choose a more skillful way to respond to her child. But none of that can happen unless we make these unconscious things conscious and and aware of them. And sometimes we discover them as we go along. Like when my daughter was nine, I think we were having family movie night and you know, of course, after movie night, I'm exhausted and she's kind up. Yeah. And I'm just like, go to bed, child. And she, I'm like, okay, maybe if I just read a book, I will ignore her. She will just go <laughs> to bed. <laughs> she didn't. And yeah. she started <laughs> laughing at me. And all of a sudden it was like, wow, like it was like I was new trigger that I didn't know I had before. But I was like this, all of a sudden I was like from zero to hundred degrees. I was so hot all of a sudden. And, you know, it was something new I discovered and I got so angry. And I, in that moment, I yelled, I had all this energy, but I yelled, I'm really angry right now. (laughs) I like walked out the front door and I slammed the door. I threw my poor library book on the driveway. I had to walk up and down the street for a good 15 minutes to calm myself down. But it was like, I was proud of myself because in that moment, instead of you, blah, 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 I was able to yell skillfully. I was able to yell, I'm so angry right now. I need a break and get out of Dodge. And so she was able to see that 
even if mom doesn't have to be, none of us have to be perfect. None of us have to do things perfectly all the time. You're allowed to have all your different emotions. Those things happen. Mindful parenting is not about being calm all the time because that's false. That's fake. It's inauthentic. You're allowed to be your authentic self, but just taking ownership of what's going on for you and healing and working with your own stuff as best you can. None of us are going to be perfect, but as best we can, we work with that. And so we can work through that energy. But she she saw me go and take a break, which is healthy in that moment. For sure. I laugh along as you were telling that story because I find myself in that story as well. And I think a lot of listeners will find themselves in those moments of, right? Build up, build up, build up. And I call it like a line. Like for me, it's a line. It's I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay. I'm not okay. What just happened? I'm still work in progress in my life, still learning these things myself as well as we go. So what do we do if we have those moments and maybe we're not as skillful yet? We're bound to lose it sometimes as parents. Like you said, we're not perfect. So what do we do? Let's say we don't do it as skillfully. What's a way we can rein it back in and get back in in with our child and connect on that moment? We will be right back. And now back to the show. Sure. I'll talk to how you can repair in some of those moments. Okay. But I think that it's not necessarily about, yeah, we want to practice to lower our reactivity, but it's not necessarily about reining in and in. And I think the way you described it is really insightful because you said, I'm okay. I'm suddenly not okay. And a lot of us, we're trying to be calm all the time. We're trying to be a certain way all the time. And so then we're like, calm, I'm not, now I'm not calm. But if we could practice to start to bring that awareness in earlier in the timeline and also express and process what's going on for us earlier in the timeline, it can move those emotions through rather than getting stuck and then exploding. Because what you're describing is like, you're trying to hold that beach ball under the water of the pool and the beach ball is just going to fly up in some random moment. It's not what you want. So instead you can start to say, I'm starting to feel really pretty irritated. I'm this right now is too noisy for me. I'm feeling, I'm starting to feel overwhelmed, right? You start to name the emotions and the things that are happening for Mm -hmm. you, acknowledging your own feelings and needs earlier down in the timeline. And that becomes this like bell of awareness for you to then take care of them, take care of yourself and to meet your own needs as best you can in the moment, right? So if you start to say, this noise is getting to me too much for me, I'm starting to feel overwhelmed rather than I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Then you can put a hand to your heart. You might go take a break. You might stick your head out the door for a second and just breathe in and sigh out. You can just, then you can start to utilize your tools. So that whole, and even just naming the feeling, right? There's that saying, name it to tame it, that Dan Siegel coined for a reason, because as you name the feelings that it really just, it's like a pressure valve release. It just Mm -hmm. releases them like, okay, this is here. I'm accepting that right now annoyance is here and I'm not trying to change it. I'm not trying to make it be something else. I'm not trying to make it be calmness or perfection or anything like that. I'm just authentically accepting what is here in the moment. And when you start to accept all those different things, they 
release much more quickly and easily. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it does. Follow-up question on that. So let's say we're hanging out and it's too noisy and it's starting to annoy me and I'm starting to get irritated. And I say, okay, this noise is a little too much for me. Is there another step that you like, do you just say, keep going, I'm going to remove myself? Because I don't want the family to think that, oh, we got to walk on eggshells around mom because mom doesn't like it to be noisy. Is there another step? You're saying that they shouldn't adjust their behavior to meet your needs. And maybe they shouldn't all the time, but maybe there are times where they will and they will want to because they like your company. If something is too much for you, that's just what it is. It's authentically too much for you. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Just as it's nothing wrong with them being exuberant, loud, excitable kids. So there's nothing wrong with you having a need to take a break. And you can just say, guys, I need a break right now. I'm going to just go take a break and that's fine for you to go and meet your needs. I think that's what you're teaching your kids in that moment isn't, and this, some people worry about this. Oh, if I tell my kids what I'm feeling, I'm saying that they're responsible for my feelings. And that's not true, but kids also should know that their actions and their actions and behavior and all those different things have effect on each other. We are interconnected with each other. We inter are your mood and feelings and physiology affects my mood and feelings and physiology. And that's how human beings work. We all affect each other. And so it's okay for kids to know that. And it's okay for kids to know that you have feelings that aren't just sunny, bubbly, and calm all the time, right? Like it's okay for you to be authentically human, not just the role of mom. We want to think about what mindful parenting is asking people is to say, to rather than be in this role, connecting to the role, right? Role to role. Instead of that, we're looking for soul to soul, right? I'm a human being. You're a human being. I've got needs. You've got needs. Let's honor each other's needs and help take care of each other's needs. And that's okay to do. All right. Yeah. Cause like this morning we were getting ready to go and it's summer when we're recording this. So a little bit of a lazier day, but we have a place we have to go. And so we had a certain time we had to get out the door and my daughter is still playing, right? Like she's still wanting to play. She's, she's into, I don't know, right now she's like stealing my nose. Like she's a toddler. She's nine. <laughs> but anyway, we're having fun. So she seems to be enjoying it. And it's just kind of, it was fun. It was fun. And I was enjoying it. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, we've got to go. I'm sorry. Like now it's time to stop. We need to get ready to go. And I just feel like maybe I could have said it in a little nicer way. <laughs> than maybe I did this morning. So there are definitely, yeah, we can always say, and that's okay. It's okay to be able to say things that, you know, like to say, Hey babe, and going back to that repair thing, right? Yeah. Say you had a really bad reaction. Let's imagine that like we, which we do sometimes as parents, like we're human. That's okay. We can always go back and say, I'm sorry that I yelled at you the other day. I wish I hadn't. And if I could do it over again, I would, this is what I would say. And and do you want a hug? So it's really important for us to apologize to our kids and to be transparent about, I wish I hadn't done that. And I, I could have done it better. It's great for us to do that. That's how our kids learn to apologize to others. So that's totally fine. And then for you to say to yourself, okay, this morning, that wasn't so hot. I wonder what I could do next time. Not in a way of where you're punishing yourself or you're shaming yourself because you're human. Begin anew again and again, right? This is part of the practice as we begin anew again and again. And 
maybe tomorrow I'll start to say, oh my goodness, these shoes are, she's nine. You wouldn't do that with the shoes running out the door. It's okay. We can extrapolate. You could use your like Southern Belle voice. Oh my Lord. Time. We are going to be late. I dare say I shall faint if we are going to be late. You can use that kind of stuff with older kids and they think you're ridiculous. They give you an eye roll, but it's great. My 12 year old thinks that thing is hilarious. So we can, of course we can do things better, but we don't always have to. Yeah. Awesome. I like that. Thanks. That was a really fun tip. I'm going to try my Southern Bell voice or something. I don't know. I'll come up with someone. The robot's <laughs> um, always good, right? Yeah. It is time to go. Oh yeah. There you go. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Okay. We're definitely going to try that. Thank you. All right. Let's hop into now maybe more onto the children. Let's talk about creating kind and confident kids. So what do you think is one of the most important things that we can do to instill those qualities? The most important thing that we can do is just model it. Really, that is the most important thing we can do. And we can model kindness. We model confidence. We also, we practice to accept them for who they are, right? So the thing that kids need most is unconditional love, right? Know this, but a lot of times our, we behave as if it is conditional. I only love you when you are doing the things I want you to be doing or are behaving the way I want you to be behaving. And then I give you my love and my praise and my attention. And I want to fix and change you if you're any other way. And So the idea of acceptance is a really big piece in mindful parenting. That's really the way to show it's the, when we can practice acceptance, we not only are modeling and showing kindness, we're building confidence in that they know that they are loved and accepted no matter what. So if your child comes to you and they're mad as heck at their brother and they're angry and they're saying things that are maybe not so nice about their brother and it's ugly. And instead of jumping in to solve the problem right away or shaming them or blaming them, you, you practice acceptance, which might look like oh, wow, you are super mad right now. Just like empathetically reflecting back their feeling. So when we do that, we show them that I accept you worse and all, because this is really very deep work because it mm. requires that we practice accepting ourselves and mm. our ugly sides as well, right? This is very hard for us to accept. Like I talked to you about my anger, right? To accept that, especially for women or moms that we have anger or we have aggression. We've got that, right? What is of the capacity of one human being is of all of us. And so to, when we can say, okay, hello, anger, hello, aggression. I see you there. Not like, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm going to shame and blame myself for having these things. But when we can make ourselves broad enough to accept all of these feelings, then we can start to accept them in our kids too. And what's beautiful about that is that it creates less like clutter and resistance and gunk around those feelings, right? They can just flow through us. We can be ourselves a little bit more. And it's like, I, there's a saying I like to walk with your shadow in front of you. And I think Mm. that is so beautiful because the idea that, you know, when our shadow's behind us, it's like big, it's scary. We don't want to look at it. I'm going to pretend I'm not there. I'm just going to face the light. But if we can say, okay, here's my shadow. This is what it is. These are not, these are my 
shadowy qualities that aren't so like beautiful, but they're there, then it loses its power. It's not such a big deal. It's just, this is what is for humans. So when we think about kindness, when we think about confidence, this idea of accepting all our feelings and accepting all our kids' feelings without without putting those layers of judgment and shame on them, it's like the kindest thing you can possibly do for somebody. And it's the most compassionate, right? Like to understand, to accept your full humanity. And that really does grow their confidence because the, that love is then truly unconditional. Wow. I'm almost speechless over here. That was beautiful. I love how you put that. That was absolutely beautiful. And dealing with our shadowy self, like that's a really good way to see it and just look at it that way. I think that's an easier way for us to maybe comprehend it and think about it and think about it's an easy way to say like, okay, I'm, I didn't do my best. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to name it. Like you said, and then just start to accept it in myself. And I love that. Yes. If every, if there are other people that are capable of that thing, then I am too as a human. And so let's get into this concept, a little bit of a super mom, because you had a guest on your podcast or you had, you were one of your podcast recent episodes was talking about a mom of five who wanted to be able to do it all. So I think that this is pretty prevalent in our society of this super mom idea. And I totally get it. I'm one of those moms, except I only have one child, so I don't have five, but I have my business. And so I've got a couple other little non-human babies. So what advice do you have for someone like myself who has a hard time making time for myself, wanting to be able to do it all? And, and it is hard to let go of that idea that we can do it all. Yeah, I know. I hear you. It is hard. And I think it's hard. Like part of the things is it's hard to ask for help. Yeah. And because that's the underlying thing here, because we can do a lot of things if we have a lot of support. We can do a lot of things if we have to, we can do a lot of things, but we can't maybe do every, something is we got to go for done is good enough sometimes, right? Like (laughs) rather than perfection. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like we our culture really gives us this message that you're only as good as your achievements, that, Mm. you know, this out, these outer qualities of like success are the most important things. And, and this is sold to us in our consumer culture and the way we look should be the, this ideal way we should look and our house should look and our, our, our car and our vacations and all these different things. And that is the water that we're living in, right? That is right. like that, that we are only as good as our achievements, but it's so harmful, that idea that our value lies in just our achievements. And I think that for me, I learned from someone once, I have a tiny little notebook. It's this big, it has just a, li- a few words, a few p- lines on each page. And what I do in the morning is I write down, this is what I will do today. And I also write down a little hokey. This is what I'll let the universe handle. And I like it. And on the one side, I write down, like, I have room for maybe max five things. And so I look at my schedule and say, okay, if I complete, oftentimes it's just three things. If I complete these three things, then I'll have done what I need to do today. And what's nice about that for me is that there's, I can cross things off. 
there's an end to the list. Sometimes I have room to get more done and that feels great. But I give myself just a bare minimum. And this is really helpful to, to just winnow it down, to take whatever that endless to-do list is and say, okay, these are the most important things. And I have more than enough time for everything important. I can do these three things. And so for me, I'm working my second book. Sometimes I just write down, I'll write for 30 minutes. Ah, and yeah. sometimes I'll just, if I write for 30 minutes, okay, I can check that off. At least I've done that. And so I think it's helpful to, to, I don't know, to break it down, but also to look at, am I basing my worth on, on these achievements? Do I practice to love and accept myself exactly as I am, no matter what's happening or what I'm doing? That's a, a practice I've recommended to coaching clients is to put a hand to your heart, look in the mirror, and you either say, may I? love and accept myself exactly as I am, or maybe you graduate to, I love and accept myself ex exactly as I am. Mm -hmm. And to just practice that intention. And then as that acceptance, I mean, for me, I've been meditating now a long time, like almost 20 years now, and I've been practicing that for a long time. And so I feel like I do love and accept myself exactly as I am, which I know is not usual that we can say that, yeah. but it just makes it so, okay. When I have days I can't get all the things done, it's that's life. That piece of acceptance really makes it so that we can ride the waves that life gives us a little more easily. Oh, that's amazing. Congratulations. So I'll have to definitely try that in the mirror. Some really good advice. I'm looking forward to trying that. And I feel like there's a lot of myself that I do accept. And I, I definitely am, I don't believe in perfection. Just like a to-do list, it's almost the same way. Like, I don't think your to-do list, your life to-do list, like the things that master to-do list is ever done. There's always something else because life lives, right? It just happens. And same with perfection. I feel once you get to that next, it's like a staircase when you get to that and you can only see that next stair in front of you. And once you get there, you go, if I was able to do that, I could probably do this. And so your expectations grow as you grow. And so I definitely feel like I've come a long way, but I unfortunately don't think I could honestly say with 100% that I accept every part of myself. And so oh, as a work in progress, I will be working on that. So amen. <laughs> we'll get there. We will get there someday. So thank you. I just, I appreciate you sharing that. Anything else before we start to wrap up that you would like to offer moms that are doing their best, but they just don't feel like they're good enough or they're not there yet. Do you have anything else you'd like to say to them? Sure. I would just like to talk a little bit about the practice of mm. self-compassion. And this is another like fundamental piece that we practice in mindful parenting. And it's so fundamental because you're human, you're gonna mess up. You're gonna make mistakes. Like we all do. I mess up, I make mistakes. And the practice of being able to like, A, be aware of when you're being hard on yourself, when that inner voice is like really harsh and mean. And then when you're, you have that awareness to then there's two things to do. You offer yourself kindness, you practice self-kindness, and you practice remembering that you're not alone, that we all mess up. We all make mistakes. We all really feel badly about ourselves sometimes. And to remember, like with 7 billion people in the world, at any given time, at least a million people are feeling exactly the same way as you are, at least numbers wise, that sort of helps me. But just to remember, like to even say to yourself, I'm not alone. This is 
it's not just me. This so many people feel these feelings and, and everyone messes up. And then to maybe put a hand to your heart and say, rather than some words that are shaming or judging or anything, but just like some compassion, like this is, what would you say to someone you really dearly love? They were feeling the way you were feeling. You might say, this is hard right now. You know, this, you're doing what you can. It's not easy. And I know you have a good heart. You can begin anew. You would sit, really practice those work, those kind of words to yourself, even if it feels weird and awkward and not comfortable. It's still what you practice grows stronger. So just practice it and it will grow stronger. But that piece about self-compassion, it may feel like soft or whatever, but it's actually what will help you pick yourself back up, start again another day, learn more. Because when, you know, you can, you're, you can give yourself a soft landing, it's not as scary to go out there and try new things and make mistakes. So offer yourself that compassion. Try that practice. So good. So good. Hunter, this has been a delightful conversation. And I know that there are listeners out there that are going to want to follow up with you. So where can we find you? Uh, you can listen to me on the Mindful Mama podcast. And uh, you can find Raising Good Humans anywhere. Books are are sold and and then find out everything else at mindfulmamamentor.com. Awesome. All right. We'll make sure we have links to all of that in the show notes. So if you are listening and you're not able to write that down, don't worry, you will have it. You just go to the show notes, you can click right on through. And then my favorite way to end these interviews is with three rapid fire questions. And the first one is what does minimalism mean to you? Uh, lack of clutter. <laughs> Ease. It means making life yeah. easier. Oh, yeah. Good one. I like to ask it, even though I know most of my guests are not into minimalism, it's just really interesting to hear other perspectives. So thank you. I appreciate that. The second one is what is your, one of your favorite pieces of advice that you'd like to share today that maybe we didn't get to? Mm, I guess I would say go have fun, go dancing, mm. take time for yourself, read a novel, do something that's not improving yourself sometimes. Oh, fun. <laughs> I made sure I took a quick little 15 minute walk on the beach today. So Ooh. I, yeah, I needed it. I needed a moment just to myself. It was great. Put my feet in the ocean. It was fantastic. So I love that piece of advice. And then what is making you happy right now or in this season of your life? Mm. What's making me happy right now is work, <laughs> my work, because which is a you're a different answer because I'm, I injured myself. I had recently, I had COVID recently. I've been like, oh. put, I've been like sitting on my butt. Ooh. So I'm happy to have the outlet to be able to connect with people around the world, at least through my work and to write and things like that. So that is what's making me happy right now. <laughs> I love it. And I think it's fabulous that you then, it shows you found your passion. So I don't think that's a weird answer at all. I love it. <laughs> So very cool. Like I said, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a really interesting conversation and I hope everyone else enjoyed it as much as I did. I really got to learn a lot today. So thank you so much for joining us, Hunter. Thank you so much, Deanna. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Cheers. So what'd you think? Did you find those nuggets of wisdom I was talking about? I'd love to know what stood out to you the most. Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook and share. Sharing your insights will help others on their journeys too. And it might just be the thing that someone needs to hear today. 
As always, thank you for joining me. If you made it this far, I would be thrilled if you left me a review on Apple Podcast. Your reviews make my day and it helps me be able to book more guests on the show for you to learn and discover from. And thanks again to Hunter for joining us on the show today and for sharing some amazing advice. Remember, you can find out more about Hunter by heading over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 122. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 122. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll see you back here next week for a solo show when I will be looking at how to make time for clearing the clutter from your home. I know that life is so busy for everyone, and if we're going to clean up our homes, we're going to need to find time to do it. Now, the good news is that there are ways to squeeze it in without losing a full day or worse, an entire weekend to decluttering. So I cannot wait to see you next week when we will chat about this topic. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show. Cheers. Cheers.